and I love talking about all the big leaguers and, you know, the national championship and, and all those things. But the thing, if you want to feel fulfilled and when your coaching days are over mm-hmm. and you're in a new role like I am now, you better have relationships. And you, it, it all comes to treating people right, having friends, true friends, and, and don't just go to them when you need them. And that's helped me in this role. I mean, I've had these relationships over the years and people want to get involved with people they like. But the people that are going to help you are the people that it's real and relationships. So without a doubt, when it's all said and done, that's what's going to be there forever, the relationships. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. Reach over and pump up the volume as we are broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. This is your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold and the place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. Week after week, we work hard to connect this upstanding community of lifelong learners with the very best, the great teachers, successful coaches and leaders, but also those that subscribe to what we are all about, finding new ways to keep challenging ourselves to grow, learn, find the better way, coach for relationships, put others in front of ourselves. And I just laid out the entire script for this week's guest. It's a dynamite episode. and It's right around the corner from this intro. So hang on and we're going to get right to it. First, with a few reminders, find us wherever podcasts are free. Hit subscribe on there. Leave us a review and a rating. Plus, share these podcasts with anyone you feel like would appreciate these conversations. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. And if you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaching fraternity here is all about, head over to our website, abca.org. Plenty of information waiting for you there. Also, make sure you subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. You can find it at youtube.com slash ABCA1945. Videos from the road show, our new extra innings features, interviews from our conventions, they're waiting for you on there. So make sure you get familiar with that site. Also, if I can help you out in any way at all, please feel free to reach out to me directly on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA.org. Want to send a huge thanks to our great friends and longtime ABCA partners over at Rawlings. And now you can get the pro treatment with the Rawlings newly updated online custom glove builder. You can customize your own pro preferred or heart of the hide glove, and you have endless options. You can choose your own pattern, the web that you really want, the lace color, and so much more. Now you can create your own one-of-a-kind glove to match your unique playing style. I know I've already built mine, haven't got it in yet, can't wait to get my hand in there. You can build yours today and check out their entire product line on their website, Rawlings.com. That's Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. We hope to see you join Team Rawlings today. So what a treat with this week's episode as we make a call to the bullpen to bring in legendary pitching coach and shocker to his core, the winningest pitching coach in the history of college baseball, former Wichita State assistant and now assistant athletic director, Brent Kemnitz jumps on the call with us and delivers audio gold throughout. There is so much perspective on the call as Brent takes us into the heydays of shocker baseball, gives us a glimpse of what it looked like to work with and for one of the winningest coaches of all time in Gene Stevenson, 
Brent also offers insights into the building of the powerhouse that was their program and what drove him to keep learning and getting better throughout his career. Serving now as an assistant AD there for Wichita State, Brent now lives in a space of mentorship, helping guide and teach the other coaches within the department, amongst other duties, and certainly fist-pumped as one of his own, Eric Wedge, was recently introduced as the new Shocker Skipper. We often talk about timing in our game, and this couldn't have fallen at a better time with us recording yesterday, June 10th, which marked the 30-year anniversary of the 1989 Wichita State team that brought home the program's first national championship back to campus. Brent has some pep in his step for sure, and his energy and passion were contagious throughout. So let's get right into it. Put your hands together as we welcome in Brent Chemnitz from Wichita State University as he is our guest on this week's Dugout Chatter episode. So get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. have a special guest on deck for you this week. I'm excited about this interview. It's the guy that I've, I've listened to, I've tried to learn from, I've watched this cat on TV a lot, and more importantly, he's got a ton to offer our coaching community, our lifelong learners that are on this call with us, and we're excited to connect with the Assistant Athletic Director at Wichita State, Brent Chemnitz. Brent, thanks for jumping on with us, my friend. Hey, Sheets, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, you got a lot of guts to have me on. It could be a little bit uh, different than your norm. I've got this edit button that I just hit. I'm waiting for and you to say something. You will wear it out today. So <laughs> just, just so we have that, it gives me some comfort. 100%. Well, you got to know this, too. Uh, I think our listeners probably do the same thing. When I said assistant athletic director, I think they all kind of clammed up because we do that when we get around administration. So I have a polo on, but I, I put a tie over it. It's not a good look, but I wanted to make sure that I looked the part for you at least behind the mic. Okay. As long as <laughs> is it a clip on? Those are great. It's a it's a bow tie actually. It doesn't look good at all, but you ah, know, there you go. It's admin. All right. It <laughs> I got to, I had to show up for you. Man, there, there is so much inside this brand. I know we, we've talked this weekend and obviously talking before we hit record here and so much we want to get into, but we have to acknowledge the fact and love the fact that you, you tweeted this out today is that today marks the 30th anniversary of your 1989 national championship team. And so I have to give you the floor right here. Just talk about that year. Talk about that team. I know how, so many big leaguers throughout that entire roster. Just open up what that means to think back that 30 years, you guys changed history. Well, it blows our minds just thinking about it. I I was looking at the day a few days ago. You know, As you know, we hired Eric Wedge. Yes. And he was the catcher on that national championship team. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of been real – you know, reflective, looking at pictures that I've kept over the years. So I go down to my basement, I look at the date, and I'm like, June 10th. That's when we won it. Sure. And that happens to be today. So I go down there, and I start doing my amateur raw footage, and (laughs) and I call it my brand because we have all these techie gurus in our office that could have cleaned it up. And I said, no, 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 no. This is is my style. (laughs) So what a great day. What a great memory. A lot of the guys have reached back, you know, that saw my tweet today. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you go to the White House, you meet President Bush. Eric Wedge is actually playing catch with even one of the pictures. We have a parade through downtown Wichita about a week later. I couldn't buy a drink in Wichita that whole summer. I wish <laughs> I could get back to that. Sure. But uh, <laughs> just phenomenal memories. Uh, that, that 89 team, everybody said, well, you know, that won the most talented team ever. They just had grit and determination, which is all true. Right. But they point out, Hey, we had six big liquors. Don't act like we <laughs> didn't have any talent. players. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, 
just kind of freezes you in time. But the picture that everybody was laughing about, and I did put it on my video, was we go to the White House. It's June 10th. And if you're in Washington, D.C., in that area in mid-June, it is steaming, scorching hot. Sure. Well, I have on this Wool's tweed jacket. And I'm like, dude, was I even trying? What sure. are you thinking? Sure. Well, anyway, they, they go through the whole list, and I went on the list. It's oh like, my well, well, wait, are you serious? And, and you know, they do the whole thing. Everybody does. Is there another spelling? Yes. You know, so that whole deal. Well, I don't get in for like 30 minutes and I'm just sweating and everybody on the staff is dying laughing. They're going, oh my God, this happened to Kenneth. Of course this happened to dying. you. <laughs> yes. And one of my favorite lines is comedy is tragedy separated by time. Mm. And it's hilarious now, but there was nothing funny about it for about 30 minutes. But anyway, to speed up the story, they took a picture of me there outside. I couldn't get in, yeah. but I did get in. What an amazing day. What amazing memories. And as you can imagine, we all love reminiscing about that special, special time, which was 30 years ago today. Well, I've heard you remark this and, uh, you know, until Oregon State won it in the mid 2000s, you guys were the basically last cold weather climate school to win it. So, I mean, at the time kind of knocked off a Stanford, you knocked off an LSU, you got them off the pedestal and a northern climate, a colder climate school jumped into the limelight. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of repercussions from that in terms of recruiting, in terms of changing the landscape of college baseball at that time, correct? Well, we we look at this and say, okay, yes, we're the first cold weather school since maybe Ohio State or somebody back in the 60s. Right, right. And, and then Oregon State does it. Uh, but at the time, you're exactly right. No cold weather school had won a national championship in a lot of years, and we mm -hmm. beat Texas in the finals. And, right. And, you know, LSU was, as they still are, one of the top programs in the country. And mm -hmm. it was like us and LSU in 89, 91, and 93. They did beat us in 91 and 93. But I think we opened eyes for a lot of programs around the country that, hey, having a great baseball program would be really cool. Yeah. So schools started putting stuff into it, started building facilities. And I think it, I think, Wichita State, and I'm going to give Gene Stevenson credit because mm -hmm. he started the program in March of 1977, mm -hmm. and he didn't look at any obstacles. He looked at what this could be, and obviously we've fulfilled that, but I think it changed the landscape in college baseball. I agree completely, man. I think it's a such a really cool story, and obviously uh, the other sponsor of our podcast is AstroTurf, which... We know that history in terms of uh, what's going on there with you guys and AstroTurf. And I will tell you this, man, Eric Wedge, obviously his background and his track record in the game, make sure that he hears this and let him know, and he'll hear this too. I want to have him on at some point too. I think getting into the college game is going to really open his eyes a lot and certainly bring in a wealth of perspective to that role. So future guest Eric Wedge will get you on at some point for sure. I'm, I'm so happy you just told me that because he called me right before we went on about 15 minutes ago, yeah. and I said, getting ready to do a podcast for the ABCA, and he said, you are such a rock star. <laughs> so our personality, we just toy with each other nonstop, awesome. and right now we're attached at the hip. We're talking like 10 sure. times a day. Sure. And I, I said, I'm, I, took a, I took a picture of me, kind of an, an evangelical look at this fundraiser we had last week, and I said, this is me telling everybody I'm so tired of giving Eric Wedge props. So that's our relationship. <laughs> sure. He's going to be amazing. He's excited. 
But I will tell him that it's a no-brainer. He's yeah. going to have to go on with you, and he'll love it. Oh, I can't wait. Well, we'll cue that one up at some point. You know, there's a uh, so much to get to inside this, Brent. But I think where we always start, we always talk about the ABCA and your experience. And certainly, man, you you have put together a tremendous track record inside of our coaching fraternity. So I'm going to give you the platform here. Just talk about what the ABCA throughout the years has done for your coaching career, networking, relationships, certainly attending conventions. Just open up that entire conversation for us. Well, it's 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 a true difference what maker you know we all use that word a lot but Mm -hmm. the abca i became a member right when i got into coaching like in 78 so so every year i'd get the deal it's like all right 23 years and it's 27 years and then it's 29 years and then it's 35 years i was like man i'm getting old but it's such an amazing convention i look forward to it every year it was like in a great city first weekend after the first of the year Mm -hmm. and and i heard gene stevenson say this many times he said that i love going because that really gets the energy and gets me excited for the spring and it's so true the first one i went to was 1981 with gene uh down in houston and i'm the new guy i'm like 23 24 walking around with gene stevenson and meeting people and going through the exhibits and now me i'm like supermarket sweep i go through those exhibits in about 15 minutes gene's there for like all day he's so a, he's a conversationalist one, yes <laughs> i only went through that with him once every yeah. other year it's like nah gene i'll go, go later <laughs> sure but uh it was like a who's who group of coaches that i just you know you look up to and you idolize you know jim brock and mm-hmm. and you can go on and on he i think he was one of the speakers and obviously skip burtman ron frazier yeah. uh, gary ward i mean there's just so many people the itchy jones was a guy that i always admired he was in our league mm-hmm. but uh rod dato but that was houston i went every year it, it was like in a wow. great city and you meet so many people. And like you said, you use the, the term networking. But if you get after it and get out and meet people, those are lifelong friendships. Yes. And you really can't put a price on getting to know people and looking forward to seeing them and bouncing ideas off of them. And that's where me and Jim Henry became really good friends. You wow. know, he took the Creighton job. And back in those days, in the mid-80s, if you called a kid in November – his senior year, you were ahead of the game. Yes. Well, I remember calling a kid in November. It was Scott Service up in Wisconsin, and I thought I was ahead of the game, and he had already committed to Creighton. Wow. And so I meet Henry. I'd met him because he, you know, had just taken over as a coach at Creighton. And I remember the convention was in Nashville that year. I go, dude, are you kidding me? I'd call this guy, and he's already committed to Creighton. He was laughing, and he said, <laughs> I had to beat the Shockers to the guy. And we became like best friends and still are today. Wow. And the guy that always hung out, hung out with uh, Hendrick because it was his high school buddy. And I got to know him through Jim Hendry. And he was like the guy that would hang out with us, too. And he was the coach at Air Force. And nobody really knew him. <laughs> yep. Paul Maneri. Exactly. Yeah, how about that? Yep. So yep. it was me, Hendry, and Maneri. And just to toy with everybody, we'd go jog every afternoon and, and kind of walk through the, the lobby. Just you know, look at Chemnitz Hendry and <laughs> – and, and Maneri going to jog. We just had fun with that. But And, and I only spoke once, but I spoke in the San Francisco in 1989. Hmm. And they gave me a topic that's kind of hard to make entertaining, uh, eliminating the running game. But I did it, had fun with it. Uh, so, yes, anybody that's wondering whether they should do those conventions it's a no-brainer no doubt about it well you, you know again you break in the membership in 1978 it's also the same year you came to wichita state i just want to let you know in 1978 i was negative three 
So <laughs> and I love I love asking people those questions. <laughs> so that just I mean just brings it all full circle. I bow down to you and your wisdom on this call. Um, but man, I do want to open this up because you were with Gene for 35 years, man. You are I mean, and I heard you say this, and I think it's fantastic. Based on records, man, you are the winningest pitching coach in college baseball history based on what you guys did there for that program. And I've seen countless games over the years on TV, especially when you first break in as a kid and you figure out that, man, there's this really cool tournament that happens in Omaha in June and you're just, you're enamored with the television. But I want to go into Gene because we have had him on, but we talked more AstroTurf. We talked about the start of the program. We talked about a couple of those things. Can you give us some insight for anyone paying attention to this who knows that name and knows the, the amazing things you guys accomplished there with the Shockers? What made him so successful? What makes Gene Stevenson so special inside of college baseball? You know, I'm a, I'm a high school kid growing up in, in Oklahoma, Perry, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. I graduated in 1974. I was in love with the University of Oklahoma, mainly a football deal in the 60s. Yeah. But in the 70s, when I'm starting to figure out, okay, I, you know, I have some ability and I'd really like to go play somewhere. Well, my dream was the University of Oklahoma. And they were going to the College World Series every year. Yes. And Enos Seymour is somebody I always just, you know, revered and looked up to and respected. Well, his hitting coach and recruiting guy was Gene Stevenson. Hmm. And the more you were around it, it's like, okay, Gene Stevenson, that guy, that guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he had a great reputation because they were going to Omaha every year. So to speed up the story, I ended up going to Phillips University in 1978 and loved it. But when I get up here, and I'm Gene's graduate assistant. I said, man, my dream school is Oklahoma. I said, that's where I wanted to go. I yeah. said, what's the deal? He said, you weren't good enough. <laughs> and he was right. You know, oh, yeah, Gene being Gene, he said, well, you weren't good enough. <laughs> Doesn't hold like, any well, punches back. <laughs> exactly. You're probably right. But to get to your question, I mean, Gene just was relentless. Yep. Nothing was going to get in his way. He he. He never thought that we weren't going to be a national power. He never thought that we weren't going to get it done. Mm. Uh, five years into the resurrection of the program, we're playing Miami for a national championship in 1982. So he had a, and a great baseball mind. I mean, just things that are natural and normal for him, some people struggle with. Mm-hmm. And he had a great presence. We all fed off of it. Uh, it's kind of an, in the early years was us against the world. Yeah. Uh, but just it's like, okay, I don't care where we're going and we're going to win. And that was the mindset that, that, you know, went through the team. And then the other thing from my standpoint, I'm 21 years old and Gene says, all right, you're, you're the pitching coach. And I'd had a American Legion guru that coached Gene, a guy named Bill Brown that coached Gene on some American Legion all-star teams in the sixties. And he was my pitching coach at Phillips university. And he gave me a glowing recommendation to Gene. Tom Borland was another one. He was an All-American at Oklahoma State, big leaguer with the Red Sox. I had him as an American Legion coach. Wow. And they both gave me, as well as Joe Record, my college coach. Well, Gene, he listens to me. We talk. And he says, okay, you're the pitching coach. Now, I joked with him later, and I said, you didn't know if I had any ability. You just thought we were going to outscore everybody. <laughs> sure. But he he gave me the job. But here's what Gene Stevenson does, and he did this my 30 30- five years with him he lets you work yes he doesn't micromanage you he expects perfection mm-hmm. he expects you to be good and he will get on you if you're not the thing i think that he liked about me 2020 hindsight is i wasn't afraid to come back at him mm. he told me many times he said listen i don't want yes men 
I want people that I got to pull back. Well, I was definitely that guy. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it was a great thing that all the players fed off of. But the thing about Gene, if you'd kind of go at him when you disagreed with him, you, we'd argue, but he never held a grudge. Wow. It was over. And he loved that because he, he felt like you could make each other better. But from the pitching standpoint, he let me do my thing. He believed in what I did. And the term we had, we had a, uh, an induction ceremony for Gene in December. And the thing that I said is Gene empowers you. He empowered me. Mm-hmm. He, he backed me and he let me do my deal. He stayed out of the way. He let me recruit who I wanted to recruit. He let me use whatever style I felt like worked with each guy. And he, he totally respected that. And let me, let me do my deal. But when you got a guy that in this case, Gene Stevenson, who I always say is the best in the history of college baseball, when he's got your back and he's saying, no, listen, he's my guy, mm-hmm. well, then you build a culture. And, and I could go on and on, but those are the things that stick out when, when I get asked, you know, why is Gene successful? And yeah. I get asked that a lot. Was there never a moment, you know, certainly when you guys started really attracting a lot of attention <laughs> to what's happened in the program, did you ever have any moments where you felt like, you know, hey, maybe I could go run my own program because you stuck around for 35 years? Yeah, and, and that's another question I get asked a lot. The thing that with me, and, and in the early years when I first came here, I thought, yeah, I mean, this is great, but I'm going to get into pro ball or right. uh, go take a head job. And they were, there were opportunities along the way. There were a lot of head jobs that I think if I'd have really gone after, I could have had because a lot of people, you know, would, would call and, and, you know, gauge my interest. Mm-hmm. And then I had some pro opportunities along the way. Um, but as I looked at it, and every time an opportunity would come along, I'd kind of get excited. But then I'd think, this isn't better than what I have. Wow. I, I do not want to give up what I have. And, and once again, I'll give Gene credit. It, the program just kept getting better. Mm-hmm. We kept getting better facilities. We kept getting more support. The crowds kept getting better. We were starting to go to, uh, we went to Omaha in 82. Uh, we went seven times. We were getting in regionals every year. Mm-hmm. We were treated like a major sport. So I'm like, okay, I have a unique situation. At the end of my career, I, you know, I'm on multi-year deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my own radio show. Uh, I put out a CD, and Gene never held back. He said, "No, this is good for the program." So I, I was an assistant, but I got the to do a lot of things that head coaches do. Yeah. I was recruiting coordinator. He let me do the schedule. I was obviously pitching coach. Um, so the job just kept kept getting better. So nothing ever lured me away, hmm. and I just fell in love with Wichita and Wichita State. Wow. Okay, now this is a question I'm, I'm actually really excited to ask. It's one that I probably ask a lot, but I think it's, it's – uh, especially when you get a coach that has so much perspective and experience, it's always cool to go, okay, man, let's, let's go back 30-some years. Let's get back to who you were at 23, 24, 25 years old, and who were you? Because I think the maturation process and that discussion is so – um, so heavy when you really boil down to there's a lot of young listeners on the call and they need to just understand that, hey, man, you're going to make mistakes. Things aren't going to work out. Hey, you're going to learn along the way, but it's good to hear that from guys like you, Brent. So take us back to that younger coach. Who was that guy? And then how have you grown inside that space? Wow, what a great question. I think I was fortunate because, you know, I'm, I'm in Little League and I have all these great coaches that just took me under their wing. And I mentioned some of the guys uh, that I had in college and, and, and in my youth years, I had a, a seventh grade baseball coach. His name was Dennis Gaines. 
his son Ryan's now the ops guy at the yeah. University of Oklahoma. Yeah. But Dennis was my seventh grade coach, and I remember him telling the newspaper that I was a, I was a promising left-handed pitcher, and I kept the paper. I still have it. And I remember I was floating. I was like, oh, my God, Dennis Gaines thinks I have a chance. Wow. And that just meant so much. And I think we need to remember that because there's young guys that are always listening to us. Mm -hmm. So when I came here at 21, I was very confident. I'd had some coaches, and yeah. I, I was always a sponge. I was always picking their brain. And, and then I come in, and Gene believes in me and gives me a chance. Uh, but in those early years, I mean, it's not like, you know, you know it all and you live happily ever after. The thing that I always felt like I did, and, and I always shared this with, with my pitchers, every day you're going to get better or worse. You're mm -hmm. not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. If you go into practice and you're not into it, and you're just kind of, you know, going through the motions, you're going to get bad habits. You'll leave worse. But if you go in with the plan and, and it's like, okay, I got to get quicker to the plate. I got to work on my feet. I need to be able to throw a breaking ball for a strike, whatever the case may be, you'll leave better. Well, as a coach, it's the same thing. I always felt like when I'd watch like a playoff game during the month of October and you're sitting there watching the playoff games, I would sit there and my pitchers laugh so hard. They'd, they'd caught my brain. I had my little card there where I would like write down things that, okay, this is what such and such needs to do. See how Clemens is loading up? Hey, this is what I'm talking about. Or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And and I would go in the next day with 50 things written down. And that's just how my brain worked. I always joked and I said, I come up with my best ideas in the middle of the night. And then I'll write myself a note. And the next morning, I can't read it. <laughs> For sure. And I'm like, I, I, it's like, dude, I, that, I, I was thinking something, but I can't read it. <laughs> but I think you got to just continue to grow, be a sponge for other people's information. But here, and here's the key point. you got to be who you are. Don't yeah. just try to be everybody else. Yeah. Implement their stuff, but you got to be true to yourself. But I, I had that passion. I never lost it. Now, the second part of the question, who am I today? You know, I coached 38 years, yeah. and this I just finished my third year as assistant athletic director for outreach and staff development. Now, I, I, I mold coaches in all the sports. I speak to the whole department five, six times a year, just mm -hmm. on coaching tips, and I'm here for them. And the number one thing I give them now, and it's easy in this role, is enjoy the journey. I mean, as a coach, sometimes you're, you know, you get so caught up in the pressure of the game and winning the game and wins and losses, and, mm -hmm. and you probably don't enjoy it like you maybe should. My deal is enjoy the journey, step back occasionally, be able to laugh at yourself, so now in this role, I'm, I'm a lot more chill is the term I use. Uh, I still have my passion. I still, you know, come in every day excited. But I think when you get a little older, you get a little bit more reflective. Okay. And it was so fun for me to watch Mike Martin and, and Palman Mary. I know Mike well, obviously, or don't know Mike well, but obviously respect him. Mm -hmm. And Palman is a great friend. But to watch that game last night, uh, you're sitting there and, you know, these guys feel the pressure and the excitement. Yeah. But, man, if you could just step back and say, man, this is a little kid's game and our players are going to feed off of us, we get, we got to look at it like that. I call it little league mentality. Oh, man. Okay. A lot to unpack there. I think the, the first one I'm going to go in on is <laughs> you as assistant AD now, and you mentioned your role, and I think you're almost like the live-in mentor. Um 
I was going to ask you, do you miss coaching, but you're still coaching? Well, exactly. You know, it's funny. <laughs> when I moved over here three years ago, uh, I had some pro friends and even some college guys saying, hey, you know, this this may come open. Does it interest you? Mm-hmm. And then I had some pro guys, one of them being Eric Wedge, just picking my brain on going into pro ball. And my response mm-hmm. was, I'm flattered. Thank you for, for checking in with me. Yep. But I think I'm really going to like this. And I have an off-the-chart athletic director, Darren Boatwright, who lets you do what you're good at. Wow. And, and we more or less just carved this out for me. I love I, I, I tell our group all the time, I said, you asked me to give a 50-minute speech in front of a 1,000 people, and I'm in my element. Yeah. I'm like, yes, yeah. every day of the week. Mm-hmm. But you asked me to order concert tickets online, and I'm sweating. I'm like, are you serious? Or download no. Skype on your computer. Exactly, like I did <laughs> this morning. And I, I'm like hollering for secretaries to come in. But he lets me do what I'm good at. I traveled basketball on all their trips. It, in our new league, by the way, it's Cincinnati, it's Houston, it's Orlando. It's pretty cool. Sure. We take boosters, and Greg Marshall's just the greatest. But uh, I absolutely love my new job, and you know, obviously, there's the raising of money. But yeah, to get to your question, do I miss it? I, I thought I was going to be fine because, like you said, I actually am still coaching. Sure. But now I absolutely love it when people will say, "Hey, are you interested in getting back in?" or you know, do you miss it? I go, no chance. Yeah. You know, they'll say, Hey, would you be interested in getting back into pro ball or college? (laughs) I have no chance out of my mouth before they even finish (laughs) Finish the the question. Sure. And it's no disrespect. I I wouldn't trade my run. It was fun. It was great, but it's allowed me to honestly be in this position. And I'm not, I'm one of those don't look back guys. I joke and I Mm -hmm. go, Hey, I'm winningest pitching coach in the history of college baseball and that started i think it is true but it started kind of as a joke because everybody was telling gene you know gene's number two winning us pitch this like 10 years ago sure it's like augie greedo's one gene stevenson's two so occasionally i would speak and i'd like introduce gene and i go i want to introduce the second winningest coach in college baseball behind augie greedo and then I'd say, now I want you to know I'm number one. I'm the winningest pitching coach because Augie had several guys. <laughs> right. I've been Gene's guy. So I started having fun with that, and it kind of took off. And Andy Dirks is a guy last summer on this podcast he does. He lists me as the winningest pitching coach in the history of college baseball. <laughs> so I love that. Hey, I embraced it. Sure you I, did. And I think it's true. You know, it's one of those deals. Don't let facts get in the way of a good story. That's right. It's true. I think I'm I'm going to make you a like an embroidered bathrobe and send it to you. And I'm going to need you to wear that. Winning us, I love it. Um, Okay, so as assistant AD, and you've got a lot of coaches on the call here. Our 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 association, as you know, covers youth all the way through professional baseball. But the majority of the listeners inside this, you're going to have again. D1 head coaches, D2, D3, NEI, JUCO. You're going to have all of your assistants. You're going to have volunteers. You're going to have high school guys, travel guys. It's everybody in between. But I think we all, if we do have administration over top of us, Brent, I do think at times baseball guys, and I don't know if it's relative to our sport, but I just, you know, I know baseball guys the same way you do. We're pretty stubborn and we see things through the lens that we know, and that's through the sport of baseball. So I think when it does come to dealing with administration, it's like, hey, man, I could really use more money to upgrade this at my field and I could use more to, you know, bolster our budget over here. And we don't see the bigger picture of 
well, how does that affect everyone else? So I'm going to tee you up in a way that if you have the, as you do, the ears of, of thousands upon thousands of baseball coaches listening to this, how would you prep them to handle administration better? I know that's off script, but that's a pretty good question to, to, to really dive into that could really help some guys that are li- listening to this. Yes, and, and I address that every year. I mean, we just finished this year, so we'll take you know a couple months and kind of uh, relax, whatever. A lot of the coaches take some time off, and then mm-hmm. we get back in August. So one of my first speeches will be in August or September to all the coaches and staff. And one of the first things I say and I never felt like I was that coach that, you know, was anti-administrator because okay. I had a ton of great friends that were administrators. So I think I had an appreciation for what they do. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm one of them, I'm a tire, whatever term you want to use. <laughs> um, I see how hard these people work. Mm-hmm. I see how, and sometimes it's thankless. It's behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. As a coach, you know, your name's in the paper and people know who you are and, you know, good and bad. Obviously, when you're winning, it's good. When you're not, everybody's like, how come you left him in? You should have hooked him a hitter earlier. But as an administrator, I just see these guys work so hard and put so much time into it. And they're for you. They're trying to make your life easier. And I share that and I see it. I live it. So that's my message to the Wichita State staff. But that would be my message nationwide. I don't think there's any administration that's like, ah, you know, whatever, we're just trying to get through the day. Mm-hmm. These guys are passionate. Mm-hmm. In most cases, they don't make a lot of money. They just love being around college sports. They love being on a college campus. And I see that every day. And as far as the money, yes, and I've gotten a taste of that already. It's like everybody wants more money. Everybody <laughs> needs more budget money. Everybody needs more screens and, and pitch back, whatever term you want to use, with right. all the sports. And, but you got to be fair. So you look at it, it's tough decisions that these guys make. And I told Darren Boatwright, our, our AD, who's a great friend. And he, he, you talk about somebody that empowers you. He, he, like I say, lets me address the whole staff. Uh, but I see the decisions they make. And I said, Hey, I don't want to be in those senior those meetings with the associate ADs. I said, me and you can go to lunch and I'll I'll talk to you. I don't want to be in those meetings, (laughs) but those guys, it's, it's not easy decisions and they just put in a ton of work. So I can't speak for each and every department in the country, but I promise you the vast majority are doing everything they can to make your life easier. Oh man. Well, I appreciate you offering that. I'm sure coaches appreciate that as well. Um, I want to go into the CD, and I know we were rapping about this uh, this over the weekend. Um, this was my introduction, truly, of hearing your voice. And so, again, like I mentioned earlier, man, I grew up watching the College World Series, seen plenty of Wichita State games on TV. I know the history of the program. But in, in around that time, 05, 06, 07, 08, I, I get my hands on this this CD, and it's it's pitching point by point. I think there's 20-some points that you offer inside this, basically this taped speech that you gave at a convention and Brent I I, I told you uh, this weekend man I've let teams listen to that I've listened to it personally I I would say in the hundreds of times I know all the jokes inside of it which we're going to get to in a second but um, there's so much to offer inside that how did that come together and can people still get their hands on that because there's still evergreen information on there that can help a pitching coach or a pitching staff What, what would you offer in that 
Oh, you're the best. You're teeing me up nice. <laughs> Google Paul Reddick. I have Paul Reddick who's uh, helping me market that. So if you Google Paul Reddick, okay. Brent Chemnitz, you can still get it. Uh, here's how it came about. Forever, as I was starting to have some success and we were getting first rounders and big leaguers and all Americans and and, you know, I coached in Alaska in the 80s and had Ben McDonald and Randy Johnson and Russell Springer. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've been blessed to be in some great situations and meet a ton of people. And mm-hmm. everybody's like, dude, you need to write a book. You need to do this. And I'm thinking, that sounds like a lot of work to me. <laughs> and I had some people that had approached me about writing books. And I'm like, I just don't think that that's me. Well, then in December of 06, I'm speaking in Denver, and Mark Johnson was one of them that you know asked me to come speak. And I did the the, the mechanics, and and I could give the mechanics lecture, but I could do it in my sleep. But I probably didn't have the passion mm-hmm. because it it was boring to me. My big deal was under control, balanced position, get out in front. Everybody does it different, and you know I got to look at a guy to see what makes each guy click. And I'd say turn on a TV, and every big leaguer's different. You got to figure out what makes each guy click. Well, then I gave another speech, and it was a 40-minute speech, and it was on the mental side. Well, I loved giving that one. That's when I could throw out all my jokes and, on, mm-hmm. you know, the Brent Kimnitz brand, which is, you know, I, I'm a little warped. I'm a little <laughs> off-center, as most left-handed pitchers are. But I, I gave this speech in, in Denver, and after I was done, man, I had a lot of people coming up saying, God, I love that. That was so good. You know, and I was like, thanks, thanks. Well, then I go to the bar and I'm going to, you know, have a couple drinks and, and then just call it a night. Well, Steve Springer was there and Steve comes up to me and he says, dude, I love that. I go, thank you. And I'd never met Steve. And he said, do you have anything out? And I, I said, no, I don't. And he says, you need to. <laughs> and then he tells me about his CD, Quality ABs. Yep. And he, he gave me a little history on it. He said, you've got to put something out. That is quality stuff. Well, I was so pumped up. Now, listen to this. It's like 11 o'clock at night. So I go up to my room, and I'm going to go to sleep and then get up early and drive back to Wichita. I'm so I'm bouncing off the walls. I can't sleep. So I check out at like 2 in the morning and drive back to Wichita. Oh, my gosh. And, and I'm like pounding like energy drinks just because I was so excited. Well, anyway, I did end up stopping at a rest stop, getting like an hour nap, uh, like at Colby, Kansas. But <laughs> – he got me fired up to do a CD. Well, it just so happened that I was speaking at the Kansas High School Baseball Association uh, uh, winter meeting in January in Wichita. So in January of 2007, I had this professional guy come in and tape it. Uh, we ended up calling it Brent Chemnitz pitching the middle game. And it's just a lot of things that I think are not only relative in baseball, but in life. Yes. And it was a huge success, but that's how it came about. And it was a CD, and and tons of people have heard it, and and I got Charlie O'Brien endorsed it. He loved it. He said all the big league guys loved it. Uh, Eric Wedge was one of them that endorsed it. Mm-hmm. Pelfrey, uh, Dreyford, Nate Robertson. I mean, there were a lot of guys, uh, and and like I say, it was a huge success. Well, I got tired of of I I liked marketing it, but I couldn't keep up with the order. So I ended up going to Brian Kane, who came up to me out in uh, Arizona when we played, and he was he was helping me market it for a while, and then he kind of went a different direction with stuff. So I landed with Paul Reddick, and Paul does a great job marketing it. Mm-hmm. But I had a blast making it, and honestly, that's who I am. 
if you ask anybody what's Ken it's all about, well, he's a brain guy, and yep. I love that. Yep. Oh, boy. Okay, so <clears throat> get this out. Okay, I, I want to go into – there's a couple of umpire jokes in there that I think – are just and we love umpires we 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 do we absolutely love them but you've got two stories uh certainly the one about home plate and the other about the cemetery that i you need to tell this community they need to hear these from you <laughs> yeah so please offer those stories up by the way it doesn't matter who i speak to whether it's a baseball group or a sales convention you want two bonafide stories that are guaranteed to loosen the crowd <laughs> up and get laughs mm -hmm. i start out with those okay the first one we're playing at Northern Iowa, and anybody that knows me knows that, man, if my pitcher's getting squeezed, hey, I, I don't do well with it. Yeah. Now, if he if he's everywhere, well, then I won't say anything. But if he's right around the zone, he's getting squeezed, well, I start going off, uh, especially if the guy has a little bit of an edge to him. I'm talking about the umpire. <laughs> well, anyway, we're in Northern Iowa. I get tossed in the first inning, and I'm like, are you serious? You're, you're running me in the first inning. Well, I, I, back then you just go on and on. You're kicked out the game. Now sure. if you keep going on and on. You wear it another game and then yeah. the manager wears it. So it kind of curbs it a little bit. But anyway, I get thrown out. I said, where do you want me to go? He said, you need to leave the park. I go, wow. Okay. Why am I on? So I go out and there's a cemetery beyond this old pro park in Waterloo, Iowa. And I'm out there in the cemetery in my uniform. And I, I had a decent view. <laughs> but, you know, I'm trying to stay off the, the gravesides. That ain't good. So I'm out there, and about the fourth inning, this homeless guy rolls up on his bicycle. And he's got his, you know, his backpack, all his stuff, and, you know, kind of looks at me. He doesn't say, hey, dude, what are you doing in a yinny? He just sure. kind of looks at me. We get some small talk going. Fifth inning, he looks up at the scoreboard, and he looks over at me. He said, hey, dude. I go, yeah, what's up? He said, after the fifth inning, we can get it in free. <laughs> he didn't say, hey, man, why do you have that shock uniform sure. on? Yeah. And then I looked, I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, you can, I can. Yeah, I probably can't. But, I know the punchline, and I can't wait for you to say it. Like, it's just oh such a great story. After the fifth <laughs> inning, we can get in free. That is, I, that is so good. And then the other one, we're playing at Southern Illinois. It's like four or five years later, probably mid-2000s. And it's a crucial situation. And Tommy Hottavy's our reliever. He's actually the pitching coach for the Cubs now. Mm -hmm. And he's one of our relievers. So I think it was 2004. But it's probably seventh, eighth inning, crucial part of the game, middle of the order. We bring Tommy into the game. It's bases loaded, three-hole hitter up. Tommy comes in, great hitter, man. I forget his name, but he's a good hitter. He's fighting off some good pitches. Full count, Tommy breaks off just a nasty breaking ball, just splits the plate. And I'm like, sweet, we got out of it. <laughs> well, it freezes the umpire, so he calls it a ball. Wow. Well, oh, yeah, so it's going to cost us a run, and he clearly missed it. Well, I start going crazy from the dugout, and I walk a couple steps out there, and I'm still going off, and so he, he runs me. So then I go ahead. I was like, all right, he runs me. I'm going to go get my money's worth. So I go out to home plate, and I'm doing all my stuff. I go, this guy has the guts to throw a full count breaking ball to a great hitter, freezes him, strikes him out. We're out of the inning, and you kick it. You know, so he listens to me for a little bit, and finally says, all right, you made your point. You just need to leave. I go, where do you want me to go? He says, I don't care where you go. 
just go somewhere where I can't, can't see you. And I said, good, I'm going to sit right here on home plate. <laughs> Which he loved, right? <laughs> oh, my God. He didn't do anything, but I look up and both of the plate, the basement bars are good. They got yeah. their, they're, they're biting their lips trying to keep them laughing. So anyway, at Southern Illinois, great college atmosphere there. Mm-hmm. I get thrown out. And I walk all the way down by the stack of the students, and they like give me a standing O as I'm walking down the line at Southern <laughs> Illinois. Yes, they're both true stories. Love it, love it. Well, I can't again. I can't say this enough. That that information within that CD, it's funny, it's loose, but like you said, it is a pure glimpse in terms of the way that you operate, but more importantly, how you were able to get the best out of your pitching staff year after year. And the beauty of it is, like you mentioned, it's not just baseball, it's life and it's evergreen and it it can certainly apply today. So I can't recommend that enough. Make sure you go check that out. Now, I want to go into social media, which is a new front for you. And you started this Twitter account at Brent Chemnitz back in April. And what triggered this? What provoked you to get on to, to Twitter? And then how have you, as you mentioned earlier, how have you been really moving your brand forward on top of that? Well, what's funny is I was the last guy to give in on texting. I mean, I had a rotary dial phone probably longer than anybody. It's like, I ain't giving up this rotary <laughs> dial phone, you know? And I'm, I'm like the last guy that does all this stuff. Well, I gave my buddies so much trouble when they would text, you know, 10 years ago. I, could, I go, what are you doing? That's for junior high girls, <laughs> you know? Well, now I'm like the text guy all the time. So what started it, was last summer, Andy Dirks called me. He said, hey, man, I got this this podcast or this site. It's called Get Your Game Right. And he said, I need a pitching guy. And I thought of you, because he used to sit in on my pitching meetings, and all the hitters did just for their own amusement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, think I, I think I helped him mentally. But he said, I want you to be my mental guy. So if you come up with a thought, just put a phone in front of you, tape it, and send it to me. It can be 30 minutes. It can be a minute, minute and a half. Well, I started doing it, and he was loving them. Well, then I would sit there, and i just start one by one sending them to Darren Dryford or Jamie Bloom or, or Pelfrey or mm-hmm. Wedge or Charlie O'Brien or Jim Hendry or any of my boys across the country. But it's like one at a time. So I'd sit there and send 50 of them, and it'd take 45 minutes. And I was getting great feedback. And, and once again, they're all like, what's wrong with you, man? It's like, this is good material, sure. but get on Twitter. Yeah. So right. that's what started it. And then when I moved over to my new role, I, I tell everybody I'm Don King. I'm the promoter. Everybody's beautiful. <laughs> love everybody. Everybody says, you have no credibility. You love everybody. So now I'm just, if, if there's something going on, say our, our tennis team is doing a fundraiser or a volleyball team is going to do a, an auction, you know, I just, mm-hmm. I just shoot out the word. And with the Twitter account, as you know, as people that are ahead of me on social media know, it, it gets some more people. Like the thing that I sent out today with the, the raw footage of us winning in 89, mm-hmm. I, I, in two hours... Yeah, I already had like 3,000 views. Right. You know, like in an hour. So think of shooting one at a time that out to 3,000 people. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that'd take a while. That's so it. that's what started that. Now I'm having a blast with it. I have fun with it. And I still need help on social media. And like you said, you referenced earlier when you said, 
hey man, it's easy. All you got to do is get on Skype. I'm like, what, what's that? <laughs> and then you said something like, hey, just go get the app. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> sure. I'll do that. And, and everybody in my office, we have all these young guys that are so good and young gals. <laughs> they just laugh, but they bent over backwards to help me. Sure. So that's what started it. And I'm having, oh. I'm having fun with it. Well, as, as you already know, I don't have to, have to say this. I'm here if you need help. Uh, I'm, I'm by no means a guru, but I'm learning every day and, and certainly got some insider tips. I think the video part of it is huge. I think it's, uh, you know, they expanded it, was 140 characters, now it's 280. You got plenty of room to, to type and tweet. At the same time, man, you can't beat a video. You can't beat two minutes and 20 seconds of, man, I can give you as much information as I can get out in that time frame to deliver a message or promote something or showcase again a national championship team. You just can't beat that platform, man. I, I'm I'm all in on Twitter. All my chips are in on Twitter. Yeah, and I'm there with you. And and I usually very seldom do I just put something out without a picture yeah. or a video because that's how I am. I'm a visual guy, and and when you see it right there, it just it resonates with oh, people. That's huge, man. Oh, well, I appreciate you breaking a lot of that down and giving us some. Uh, some really good information to sort through. Now, the back half of this show, Brent, we're getting into more of the spotlight on you and how you're engineered. And I think, again, for listeners, we can pick up, again, what you're, what you're putting down. So let's start with this one. What's something you read, watched, or heard recently that really challenged you? And, and probably it can actually be in a lot of different places. Certainly in the baseball space would be great, but maybe it's something else in life that you went, you know what, I could do that or that I could be better at that. I could say that differently. What's something that challenged you? Well, the, the guy that I've spent a lot of time with that I respected, but in the last three years I've traveled with them and been around them a lot. So our basketball team and they've had an amazing run at mm -hmm, success. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time, you know, especially on the road with Greg Marshall, we'll, we'll take boosters to dinner and he's just so real. He's just so innovative and, and he did maybe his best job of coaching this year with the whole new crew. We actually made it to New York to the NIT, but just listening to him, I just pick up nuggets along the way. Mm. So, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him. One of the guys that I know you're friends with and a guy that I, I love his stuff. First, it started with the long toss and the mm -hmm. bands and the mental stuff is Alan Yeager. Sure. Uh, it's like when you when you have the same thoughts as somebody, you're like, oh, I love that guy. Yeah, because you're it's it's like minded. Yes. So I get a lot of stuff from Alan. Um, I, I think I'm more of a visual guy and, and I do read. But I'm telling you right now, I'm starting to get into this podcast thing. I've listened to some you've done They're yeah. They're off the chart. But here's one I think everybody needs to take note on. And it's fairly new. It's Coaching DNA with Travis Wyckoff. Yes. Travis was one of my All-Americans back in the early 90s. Just one of that guy that lived. He was a quarterback, and he was a basketball player and two-way guy in baseball and coached for a lot of years. He's just wired, that guy that lives at the ballpark. But he's put out the two that I really, really enjoy. Uh, one is from Dan Fitzgerald. Mm -hmm. He's a rock star in the game. He's good. He'll be an amazing head coach. Or if he stayed right there with Dan Heapner, DBU, yep. Yep. he'd have an amazing career. Already has. Uh, but Dan Fitzgerald, he did a bit, uh, an hour, about an hour piece with him. And it's just so real, such good information. And then the other guy that I got to know through Jim Hendry back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, the athletic director at Creighton, Bruce Rasmussen. Hmm. Just, just real information that's common sense, but it's stuff that a lot of people just don't think about. 
I, I tell you what, these podcasts are really becoming a deal for me yeah. because you can just sit there and you can listen and take notes if you want to. But, uh, yeah, coaching DNA with Travis Wyckoff, I'd encourage anybody to get looped in with that. I'll give you a third one of his episodes you should go listen to. It's with the young Jeremy Sheetinger. It's actually really good. Um, oh, he's nice. <laughs> yes. So I've, I've known him through Fitz. We've connected through Fitz, and he's like, man, this is an old baseball guy, but, man, he's got a lot. He's going to do some stuff, some projects, and he invited me on right after Fitz, so I got to listen to Fitz and go, oh, man, I'm going to enjoy this conversation because you really get into the nuts and bolts of, of like, again, the coaching DNA. So how are you engineered? How does it really come up through how you think, how you act, how you talk, how, you know, it's, it's a really neat, he's got a neat premise, especially with, like you mentioned, the athletic director side of things and how those folks are engineered. That's going to be a neat project for him. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. I'm embarrassed. I didn't listen to yours. I've, li- <laughs> well, I've gone I'm to giving your you homework. listen to the ones you do. I'm just giving you homework. That's all I'm doing. I love man. it. I um, love it. We actually had this conversation today with a couple coaches about uh, the podcast space. And it's one that, you know, we're very fortunate here. We, we already have a built-in audience and certainly can reach outside of our membership. So th- that part's been great. But it, it's the fact that more day by day, more people are coming to the understanding that, man, these are here and they're here for you on your time. You just have to decide what time you're going to give up to learn. Because I think it, you know, traveling to and from the office, you're commuting in your car, you're, you know, traveling with your family for vacation, you're working out, you're, man, that's time that you probably listen to music that you could put on a podcast. But it's just the fact of getting that part of your routine that, you know what, I find these opportunities throughout the day to, you know, when I go to groceries, it's easy for me to walk through and listen to bad 80s rock music while I'm getting my groceries, or I can just bring in my earbuds and for 45 minutes I can get better. So I think it's just understanding that we all have time. It's just, are you dedicating that time to getting better? And you can get valuable stuff, like you say, drive time. And honestly, that's why in in 07, that's why I like the CD idea, Mm -hmm. because I've had a lot of my pitchers that have downloaded it on their headphones or whatever. Even guys in pro ball, they say, I still listen to your stuff every day when I run. (laughs) No doubt. So it's just a a valuable tool that can be used in in a lot of ways. Like you say, drive time or whatever. That's it. Good stuff. Oh, it's great. Um, Going to this, I'm, I'm really excited to hear this one. What's the one moment? that you'll hold on to forever in baseball? What's the one moment you always come back to that is that that pinnacle of your baseball career? What moment is that? Well, 30 years ago today, there it is. national championship. That's why I called you. That was a good soft <laughs> toss, yeah. Um, forever etched in all of our minds. We relived it. You know, a lot of times when people tell stories, they get a little bit better with years. Yeah. Well, we haven't had to make this one better. It was all real. <laughs> it can't get much better. Yes, no question. Now, there's a close second that we talk about a lot. And I was actually having this conversation with Eric Wedge last week in 1988, virtually that same team. We go down in, in Oklahoma state and boy, it was a neighborhood battle with us and them. And I think, you know, Gary Ward, and you know, Jim Chwonky, he's become a good friend. His son, Willie played here, coaches here, uh, Tom holiday. Um, those were great rivalries, Wichita State and Oklahoma State. And, boy, I think they moved the needle for all of college baseball yep. and just such intensity. Well, anyway, I'm kind of setting the stage for us going down there in 1988. They'd gone to Omaha seven years in a row. Yeah. And they're ranked number one in the nation. And we go in there, and we were pretty good, too. <laughs> well, we go in there and beat them. We knock them off in Stillwater, Allie Reynolds. And that's getting torn down, by the way. They're going to build a new park yeah, down there. Yeah. But 
that would be a close second for us to knock them off and just the emotion of two powerhouse teams in the same neighborhood. That was an amazing feeling. And that would, that would have wow. been one, but obviously that gets Trump by the national championship <laughs> all day, every day. Right. Um, okay. A follow up to that is what's one moment that you wish that you had back. You know, I hesitate when I say this, but I always, I always come to this in my head and, and people that are listening to this may be blown away by this. Hmm. I was always a guy that refused to bend on bringing guys back on short rest. I mean, you'll, you'll see a lot of guys about well, the postseason with sure. all those rules are out the window or always, we're not going to let get in the way. And it always kind of hit a nerve with me. I was like, no, we have as coaches, we have to, take care of these guys because every kid's going to come up a lot of them will say well the kid came up to me well every kid's going to come up to you (laughs) so this is kind of a message for young coaches across the country Mm. take care of your people Mm. don't just abuse guys just to win a game so i'm setting the stage here in 2004 we're at the arkansas regional okay Okay. and we'd beat missouri pelfrey dominated missouri a good missouri team game two chris johnson and one of our freshmen who's Killing it over in Japan, by the way, beats Arkansas. Okay, so we're a game away from going to the Super Regional. And Arkansas, I think, beats Missouri, so they got to come back and beat us twice. Well, we get a big lead, and then they're coming back on us in the ninth inning. And Pelfrey now has two days rest. Okay? Yeah. And a lot of people justify and say that's a bullpen day and you know, he's only going to throw 10 pitches. And why well, I, I didn't cave on it. I said, no, I don't care. So we didn't bring Pelfrey in, and he was chomping at the bit to go in, to close it out. Yeah. We didn't let him. And I, I, I'm proud because it was for all the right reasons. And Gene was always very supportive of, no, we're taking care of guys first. Yeah. So obviously he's the head coach, but he was very respectful of that too. 2020 hindsight, and I've had so many people say I was so mad at you in 2004. (laughs) I've I've gotten that all the time. Looking back, two days rest, I think he would have been fine to go in and get a couple hitters, and he would have. Yeah, He's throwing 95, and we we didn't let him do it. It was for the right reasons, but I have have reluctantly kind of come off of, you're right, we probably should have let him close that game out, Mm. and we didn't. Gotcha. And and I I thought of that last night because I'm watching Arkansas at the Super Regional and it was you know they've continued to grow over there but it was still a great atmosphere over there in '04. Sure. Well, the sad part of the story is they did go ahead and come back and beat us, so that made it more painful. Yeah. And and made people not hesitate to say, dude, get off that protecting arms thing. Pelfrey would have been fine for one hitter. So yeah, that's one that sticks out. <clears throat> that's no, I appreciate the transparency. I think our listeners do as well. I think it's a uh... It's a it's a balancing act, man. You want to do right by your guys, but you always uh you can always pinpoint those moments. Um, you you mentioned this earlier about how you're engineered, and I love the fact that you're you're really getting into this podcast space. I did catch you and and would would pin you on the fact you are a conversationalist. You're a guy that picks up the phone, likes to sit down with folks, likes to go to lunch, likes to have those conversations. I guess for um, we'll steer this question towards a coach that. You know, I feel like through DMs and through texts and emails and stuff, coaches ask me that, like, well, h- how would I connect with that guy? What should I do? What would I say? And it's like, man, you just pick up the phone and you have a conversation or you just show up at a camp and you just, hey, coach, you got 10 minutes. You show up at a practice. Coach, can I watch you practice? 
how would you navigate it? Maybe a younger coach through, Hey man, understand the importance of these conversations. And I think maybe what are some of the ways that you approach them? Like when you do get a pulmonary on the phone, when you do get, um, you know, these guys at your, at your fingertips reach, how do you approach the, uh, the fact of pulling information out, but also offering and maybe gauging where you're at? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I am getting into the podcast thing. I've always been a reader, uh, but I think there's no substitute for conversations, meeting mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. Go, like you said, go to lunch, uh, whatever the case may be. And, and I've always, I've always been a guy that would do that. I wasn't hesitant to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think over the years as you know, we had success here at Wichita state and I've been in a lot of great situations and been fortunate I would never, if somebody reached out to me with a, an email or a phone call, I didn't care if it was, you know, a Maneri or a Henry that's obviously high profile or some guy that's just getting into the game and he's assistant at a high school. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Yep. There's still people that want to learn. And if you treat people like that, I, I just think that's how you should be wired. That's how I've always been. But I would encourage young people, continue to grow, continue to reach out to people continue to learn. And it's amazing. I'll give you an example now. Now, this guy, I think, is going to be really, really good as we move forward. In January, I got an email from the new coach at Illinois State. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, you know, I'm just getting into the Valley. Uh, I know you and Gene were in the league for a lot of years and dominated it. Is there any way I could talk to you sometime and just kind of get a feel for the Valley? And I said, absolutely. So we ended up talking for probably 45 minutes. His name's Steve Holm. Yeah. I, I'd gotten to know him through scheduling when he was at Sac State. But he, he did that, and we had a great conversation. And I remember hanging up the phone going, good for him. You know, he wanted to kind of learn, uh, getting into the league. And now I watch him, and they, they have a great year, and they get in a regional. So my one conversation, him reaching out to me and then us talking, it caught my attention, and then I followed him, and I said, okay, it doesn't surprise me that this guy's going to be successful because he's thinking outside the box and trying to grow. I love to hear that. That is, that is some powerful stuff. I want to go into this. The best people you've been around, because you, you can name drop for days, man. You've, just, you've been able to surround yourself with really great people, whether it's players, coaches, anyone. Mm-hmm. What qualities do you think – arise out of the best people in terms of, you know, we want to make sure that we are full of these type of qualities that can ensure us that, that we can move forward and, and obviously have success. What do you think those are? Well, I, I think you got to have forward thinkers. You got to people that, that love challenges, people that continue to grow. They know who they are. They're passionate. And yeah, I could name drop so many people that, you know, when I was, when I was in the sixties and seventies growing up, it was John Wooden. And I was, I was looking through some of my stuff when I was moving from baseball over to Cocorina, you know, as assistant AD three years ago. And I, I pulled up some of my old John Wooden stuff. And I hadn't looked at it in years. I did reports on him in high school and college. And that was my team, like everybody else loved them. Yeah. But it stunned me how much of his stuff I used and didn't, didn't even realize it. Everybody knows about the pyramid of success, but there was so much of his other stuff that I was using that was just deeply ingrained in my brain. I was probably taking credit for it. It was John Wooden a hundred years ago, Um, but he he was one of them. But I I just think people that are real Hmm. people that, that do it for the right reasons, they're in it for the relationships. 
you know, I've mentioned Jim Hendry, another guy that, that I coached with on that national championship team. We were assistants, and he's had a great run at Charlotte is Lauren Hibbs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's just he's just steady. He's a quality guy, mm-hmm. respected nationwide. I've continued to learn from him over the years. Steve McFarland's a guy that I coached with in Alaska back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told you we had Randy Johnson. And yeah. Yeah, I always say it was Randy Johnson before he was Randy Johnson. <laughs> right. He was like a 6'10 left-hander that threw 90 plus, but that's all he had. <laughs> sure. So he, he obviously figured it out. Uh, and I name dropped him all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, my boy Randy Johnson, you know. <laughs> so I had fun with that. But Darren Buttright, I mentioned. Um, but, but I always got to go back to, you know, Gene Stevenson. I think he's the best. Yeah. Um, I always say the history of college baseball. I just, he, he's amazing what he's accomplished. And I'm going to give props right now to our new guy. And this mm-hmm. guy it takes a backseat to no one. And that's Eric Wedge. You yeah. listen to him speak. He's, he's dynamic. And me and him, like I say, have been connected at the hip the last week since he's taken the job. And we talk nonstop on the phone, but just the passion he brings. And he, he, he's a learner. And he says, he said that I want people that are learners. Yeah. I want people that are going to make me better. I want people that are going to challenge me. And, and honestly, I think that's why me and him have gotten along so well. Every, every conversation late at night, we end up arguing, but it's healthy. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. it, it, we push each other and, and we, we love toying with each other on purpose, but just the people that are going to make you better. Are the people that, you know, they're, they're, you use the word grinder or whatever term, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they're guys every day that they want to come get better. Yeah. So those are the people that have always, uh, I've enjoyed following. Well, I don't want to pry too far on this with, with due respect to your relationship, but is there a, is there a conversation? Or is there a point that maybe you could dive into that you and Eric have gone back and forth on just to kind of accentuate the fact of, man, there's always that, that challenging of thought going on. Well, with him and me, a lot of times it's what made somebody successful or what pitch we should have thrown there mm. or, you know, we'll, we push each other's buttons sometimes when we may agree. You know, it's like you got your good buddy <laughs> sure. and you just like to toy with him. <laughs> yep. And, and I love toying with Wedge because, like I say, he, he can be intimidating to some people. But he's like one of the softest people inside that you're ever going to meet. Mm. You talk about if I'm a parent, and I'm making a little plug for Wichita State <laughs> here. If if I'm a parent and I'm sending my son to play with Eric Wedge, that is such a comforting feeling mm-hmm. because you're going to learn the game, you know. And everybody wants to play pro ball. So here's a guy that's been a manager for ten plus years, caught in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's gonna make you better there, but he's gonna make you a better person, and he says that all the time. He's like, yes, we want to be better baseball players, but I want to make you a better son. Mm-hmm. I want to make you better in the community. And that's one of the things he said when he took this job. He said, I, that's more than Wichita State for me. Yeah. It's the city. It's the state. It's, it's, I want to come in and make a difference. So when we argue, I don't know necessarily if we're just disagreeing with something or we just enjoy arguing <laughs> because I, th- I love the way he's wired. And I love his passion. And he, he's a guy that that has he's a difference maker with a lot of people on a lot of levels. Yeah. Well, it sounds like and I'm going to borrow this from a lot of different coaches, but it's it's one of those when you look at the grand scheme of coaching, even on the upper levels, you know, at the end of the day, you may coach 50 draft picks, but you're going to coach 
500 fathers, you're going to coach 750 husbands. Yes. I mean, you're yes. gonna, you, the, the numbers are going to be so stacked in the guys that you're going to move into life that we can get lost in the baseball part of it, but it is about, you know, putting out better members of society. It is about relationships. Sounds like Eric's got that by the horns. He totally, he totally does. He's a very powerful speaker. Um, but yes, if I, once again, I'm going to plug him, but it's real. If, if I'm a parent and Eric Wedge is coming into my home or he's going to be the coach, your, your son is going to be better in baseball but more importantly in life. And he's, he's going to grow up and, and learn to do all the right things. <clears throat> so good. Okay. Now these are kind of quick hitters, but I definitely want an explanation just in terms of uh, clarity as to why you arrived at these answers. But uh, answer this one for me, Brent. One thing you need to work on is <laughs> technology, <laughs> but I, Hey, I'm getting better. Hey, I, you made know, serious I'm, strides today. Yes. <laughs> I put out a CD. I was proud of that. I mean, I'm a, a Twitter guy now. Yep. I l- learned. I don't know that I could repeat what I learned, but I got on Skype today. So, <laughs> but definitely technology because I, w- when I'm trying to change my password, every three months you got to change your password. And I'm like, why do they do that? And I'll, call, I'll have the secretary come in here. But technology definitely. But I am getting better. That's outstanding. You know, it's one of those things I was laughing. I was telling you before we got going about all this video equipment and stuff and. There was a point where those boxes sat in my office, Brent, for probably about a week and a half before I even opened them. And yeah, what do I? What am I going to do with these? I, I was paralyzed by fear. One hundred percent. I have. Yeah, I like. I don't even want to open it because I don't even know what it means. I will yes. try to read the user guide, but it's funny. Is is that's that's those are just thoughts, man. And if you can get past that and get to a place where like I got this. Yeah, it's funny where it's it goes, feeling. man. Yeah, it's a good feeling. It is. <laughs> um, the key to success is be yourself. Mm. Keep keep learning, but number one, be yourself. And and I got a fun story here. Like I said, I traveled with basketball, and one of the teams. So we went and played to get to New York. If we win this game, we go to New York. Was at Indiana. And that's the first time I'd ever been to Assembly Hall. And it's like, wow, this is awesome. We're at Assembly Hall, the whole thing. Well, what I didn't know was one of the Indiana grads was Mark Cuban. So we bounced into Mark Cuban. He's staying wow. at our hotel. And, you know, I'm I'm not shy. So I go up and engage with him and start talking to him. And he was so real, so down to earth. Yep. And I said, all right, Mark. And I told him who I was. And I said, all right, I speak to our whole department five or six times a year. Give me one one pearl, one bullet point that I can share with the whole athletic department on a key to success. He had be yourself out of his mouth immediately. Oh my gosh. And, and I totally see that. I agree it, agree with it. Keep learning, learn from other people, but you number one, you gotta know who you are. Yeah, that's powerful. Uh, in the end, when our careers are over, it's all about relationships. Of course it is. We we and, and I was guilty today of going down glory days. And I didn't get the Kimnitz jersey in there, so I have a little ego. It's like, hey, there's my jersey. Look at that. Um, Be yourself, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was – it was. there's so many cool memories. And, and you know, I do get distance. Like I say, I'm the winningest pitching coach, all that. And I love talking about all the big leaguers and, you know, the national championship and, and all those things. But the thing, if you if you want to feel fulfilled and when your coaching days are over mm-hmm. and you're in a new role like I am now, 
you better have relationships. And you, it, it all comes to treating people right, having friends, true friends. Um, and, and don't just go to them when you need them. Just have it. And that's helped me in this role. I mean, I've had these relationships over the years and people want to get involved with people they like. And in my situation, we, you know, we're now got a stadium, the final phase up and running. And we've had a lot of people get involved with that. And I have been involved with an expansion of Coke Arena, not seats, but offices, weight facility, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But the people that are going to help you are the people that it's real and relationships. So without a doubt, when it's all said and done, that's what's going to be there forever, the relationships. Oh, you can't see me right now, but I'm fist pumping behind this mic. Um, and I just love when that comes out. That is a, uh, what we call in this business, a certified audio gold moment, Brent, that you just made <laughs> for us. <laughs> and I love it. Um, okay. So be- last few questions here, best advice you've been given. So if you have that inner monologue, that, that one that you always come back to share that, but then man, empty your pockets out. What other advice do you have for anyone paying attention to this? How will you help them out? Okay. The best advice. Once from my dad who passed away 11 years ago, he was that guy that owned a service station, worked every day of his life, go down there on Sundays, even when they were closed. You know, my buddies on Friday nights when I'm in high school, we get back from a basketball game at midnight and they're going out, hanging out and the whole thing. Well, I'm going home and going to bed because I got to open up the service station at seven in the morning to fix flats and wash cars and stuff. And And I remember telling my dad that I just didn't feel well. You know, I said, Dad, man, I'm tired. I just don't feel that great. And his advice to me was, hey, man, I don't feel great either, but we have too much work. We don't have time to be sick. Oh, <laughs> yes. If we had time to be sick or not feel, that'd be great, but we just don't have time. Sure. That has stuck with me. And then my mother, who still comes up to all the Shocker games, by the way, she's wow. 87 and still still kind of tells me what I need to be doing, which <laughs> yeah, is, is amusing. Uh yeah, I went off to college. This is 1974, and I was the first one from our family to go off to college. And I remember her telling me this. She said, Brent Lee, you know, I'm really proud of you, but you're not better than anybody else. And then she finished it with saying, but nobody is better than you. Oh, wow. I, isn't that a pearl? Yes, I mean, it's, it is. In other words... Don't get big time on us. You know, don't think you're going to college. You're smarter than all of us. That's the first part. But then she finished it. But nobody's better than you. So in other words, chase your dreams. And I'm proud of you. So that that stuck with me forever. Boy, that is powerful. Right, right. Now, the, now, my a couple of advice to finish your question. Yeah. For me, you know, one is, is stay grounded, stay, stay real. But there's two things, and I always I always share these when I speak to our whole department. And there's two things. One is who's the most important person in your life, and and I prep it by saying obviously it's your family and this and that. Mm-hmm. But for this for this point for this bullet point, the most important person in your life is who you're talking to. How many times mm. do you talk to someone and you can tell that they're paying zero attention? <laughs> right. Right. Yes. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting ready to tweet out a, a little deal that I made when I was with the basketball team with a little humor attached to that. And I'll, I'll give you just a little sniglet of it. You know, somebody will come up and you start talking to them. And the common thing that people will say is, well, how are things going? And they're, they're, they're not listening to your response. Mm-hmm. So my little, you know, me, me and me, 
I did this little video that I'll shoot out soon about somebody comes up and says, well, how are you doing? You said, well, not good. You know, I'm, me and the family were living under a bridge, you know, and, and well, how are you? Oh, great. That's awesome. How about your kids? <laughs> right. Well, they're not good either. You know, they had a school trip and, you know, one got bit by a giraffe and the other <laughs> one got bit, bit by a ringtail lamer, you know, and <laughs> oh, that's good. Good. Good for you. And then they'll walk off because they're not listening to one thing you've said. No doubt. You have those people, right? Yes. Yes. And, and, and I, everybody, when I share that, they just, they just laugh and they think of somebody. So that's one. And then the final one is people remember how you treat them. Hmm. I mean, we can talk about people out there that are maybe big names or whatever, but if they weren't kind to you, you're like, hey, whatever. That guy didn't give me the time of day. Yep. But on the other hand, if somebody that maybe has a bad reputation or whatever was great to you, it's like, I hear you. I mean, I know what you guys say, but he was always great to me. So I, and I always share that people remember how you treat them. Gosh. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I think you stretched over the weekend because you came with your A game today. <laughs> Like, me up yeah, good. I'm telling you, man, that is, this has been so much fun. I think I just, I found another brother from another mother that, uh, <laughs> when I see you, I'll have to hug the, you know, hug you I to death, it. man. Okay. I, I want to go into this just real quick before we get off here. <laughs> what you call Where can people find you? So give them the accounts, give them the handles. How can people reach out? If they want to connect. Well, uh, my Twitter is at Brent Chemnitz mm-hmm. and I'd love people to follow me mm-hmm. because you know, I, by the way, when I went in in early April, our gal, I said, all right, how do we do this Twitter thing? And she's like, what? You're kidding me. <laughs> and my first question was, how many followers does Trump have? And she's like, I don't know, like 59 million. I said, okay, that's my goal. That's where I'm going to get to. <laughs> that's where we need to get. So I still have work to do. <laughs> sure. But yeah, you can sign up, uh, follow me at Brick Chemnitz. And then uh, my email is bchemnitz at goshockers.com. Oh, my gosh. Well, and don't forget, Paul Reddick, you can buy my CD from him. Just Google Paul Reddick. It's, uh, all of it's dangerous. All of it's good. And I, It I is just, dangerous. I, I am. I'm, I just, again, I cannot thank you enough for carving out some time. This has been, uh, uh, for me, brings a lot of memories back of first hearing that CD, finally getting this uh, onto the show. and. Um, make sure Coach Wedge knows, man, we're going to come for him. But, Brent, for you, man, I cannot thank you enough. for Number one, for your contributions to the game of baseball throughout the years, how many people you've mentored and helped and certainly moved the game forward. Uh, thank you for that. We appreciate your loyalty inside the ABCA. But more than that, man, just appreciate you being a great dude that's out there in our community, willing to help younger coaches and help other coaches grow. And um, I really appreciate you jumping on the call with us, my friend. Wish you luck, and we hope to catch up again soon. Yes, thank you so much. And, and like I said early in, in the podcast, stuff like this, these podcasts, very valuable. I continue to learn. Uh, but thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Coaches, thanks again for checking out our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and another one of our Dugout Chatter episodes. Here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, our mission is to serve coaches around the world. So please let us know how we can help you out. Head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information about our baseball coaching fraternity, you could also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. If you want to reach out to me directly, I'd love to hear from you. You can do that on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 
or shoot me an email at sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. We would love to hear from our loyal members. We'd even love to hear from some new ones as we continue to find new ways to work together at growing the game of baseball. Huge thanks to the sponsor of these Dugout Chatter episodes, our longtime partners over at Rawlings. So if you want more information about what they're doing for baseball and this association, head over to their website, Rawlings.com. That's Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. And thanks again for your support of this podcast. As always, thanks for listening in and staying dialed into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you to keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball. Baseball.